0: James Joyce's Ulysses is a work celebrated for its nuanced yet scorching interactions with religion, yet it appears that the critical voice of the Jew is painfully missing, especially on the Jesuit campus of Boston College. That silence ends now. Listen as Harold Koss discusses and reflects upon the great 20th century novel, through the lens of his experiences as a Jewish American. Episode 3, Proteus. Stephen's gentle stroll on the beach thankfully lacks any instances of anti-Semitism, which is certainly appreciated. The only aspects that I found noteworthy at the beginning is Stephen's thoughts on Eve after imagining two midwives carrying a misbirth. Eve is, of course, described as without a navel, because she was created by Adam and not born. This imagery reminded me of line 708 in Telemachus, where Buck Mulligan boasted that his twelfth rib is gone. Clearly this is a reference to Adam removing his rib to create Eve, but besides this I am unsure of what Joyce is attempting to convey with his repeated references to the first humans, at least the first humans according to my parents. I also found Stephen's depiction of his father at line 62 to be quite relatable. Stephen clearly understands that there is a level of dissatisfaction from his father towards himself, as he asks whether Stephen could have flown a bit higher. Growing up, I was no stranger to this level of feeling like I have let my parents down. It's called Jewish guilt for a reason. Any profession that doesn't require a graduate degree was seen as a waste of time, and that you were... Wasting what God gave you. Usually said with words meant to twist in your gut like a knife. Oh, honey, I'm just saying that we used to have such high hopes for you. Oh, weeping God, indeed. Stephen's brief interaction with the Romani women from afar also caught my attention. He describes her as wearing a brown shawl, suggesting that she is wearing an outfit that covers much of her body. However... Stephen's mind begins to wander to a sexual place when he notes her bare feet in the sand and wonders what flaws on her body may be hidden by night. This information is soon followed by the potential masturbation of Stephen as he wishes for some woman to touch him. I would venture to guess that he is thinking of the Romani woman while he jerks off. I found this to be a telling sign for the Jewish and other Semitic traditions that often have women cover their bodies to prevent men from lusting towards them. However, Stephen proves in this passage that covering one's body still isn't enough to curb men's thoughts, as the hidden nature of their bodies becomes something to fantasize about because of their perceived mystery. Religion may try to do something about it, but men's thoughts will always start between their legs before reaching their brains, even if an entire set of clothing is covering the view. Besides these general cultural references, there was not much to analyze from a Jewish perspective within these pages, as it is clear that Stephen is kinder towards Jewish people, but doesn't spend too much time thinking about them explicitly. Perhaps his Jewish education is to thank for erasing the people who invented his God. Instead, there are plenty more references to Catholic Latin phrases, omnis caro ad te veniet, at 396, Et vidid Deus at 440. I suppose that this is the equivalent of saying silent Hebrew prayers to oneself, but this would be worthless for a Jew. A minyan, or quorum of ten people, must be present for a prayer to be valid, so don't expect Jewish versions of Stephen to be walking around all during the day reciting Baruch Atad and expecting anything besides their own pretension. Thank you for listening. In the next episode, we will finally be introduced to everybody's favorite Jewish character in literature in episode four, Calypso.